and welcome to the Nature Jobs podcast. I'm Julie Gould. In our last episode, I spoke to Nessa Carey, the Senior Director at Pfizer, about her transition from academia into industry. And she's actually answered some of the questions that you posed to her, which you can now find on our blog at blogs.nature.com forward slash nature jobs. However, this week we're doing the exact opposite. We're moving from industry to academia. Stergios Moskos is currently the Reader of Industrial Biotechnology and Biochemistry at the University of Westminster and is also the Director of the Westminster Genomic Services. But he wasn't always based here and hopefully he can tell us a little bit more about his story. So hi Stergios. Hello Julie. But let's start with what is your scientific background? I started uh, by doing my BSc in molecular biology. After that, I went straight to PhD, and the PhD started at uh, University of Aston, but we moved to the University of London, the School of Pharmacy, which is now part of UCL. Finished my PhD there, which was on pharmaceutics, uh, stayed there for a postdoc, and continued with a next postdoc at Imperial College at the National Heart and Lung Institute. And before the full three years was over, I was headhunted by Pfizer to lead the oligonucleotide research and also some diagnostics work down in Sandwich in the UK. So it was actually quite a traditional route until the point where you got headhunted where you went off down a different path. Absolutely and I actually never saw myself as being an industrial scientist. I, I distinctly remember going to some plant in Dagenham to pick up some equipment from one of the sites that was shutting down and seeing the morosity of the people for being made redundant and I thought never want to expose myself into that. That's why I did my PhD, I did my postdocs, you know, the traditional route. But that changed and that changed quite dramatically and quite unexpectedly. So at Imperial we were doing quite interesting work at the time with RNAi. It was the big thing at the time. So right place, right time. Eventually talking at conferences and all that, Pfizer invited us for a consultancy. We talked about our work and they explained to us how they wanted to enter that space and do some work in the UK. And pretty much they offered me the job on the spot. I mean, I had to do the application process. I had to do all of that stuff, prove that I can do what I say on the tin, shall we say, and got in. So I guess that gives you a bit of a link with the previous uh, podcast as well. Yes, it does indeed. So you mentioned before that you found the sort of the atmosphere of industry a little bit morose. But when you actually went in, was it what you expected? Okay, so the reason I went in was my supervisor had himself industry experience. He was working for AstraZeneca for three years himself. And they said to me, well, don't be stupid. Just go get it done. And I said, well, I, I never wanted to be in an industry. It doesn't make sense for me. And he goes, look, go get your being to industry qualification. And if you don't like it, you can always come out. Well, yeah, okay, that sounds reasonable. So I thought about it. Why not? What have I got to lose? That was there. The argument. So I took the plunge, got out of London, got started, and it, it was a lot more fun than I thought. And did some of the skills that you gained as a researcher in academia, did they transfer quite nicely into industry? Absolutely. So if there's one thing I can say, the training they give you on the transferable skills is essential. The presentation skills that you develop, public speaking, the organisational skills that you develop, they're fantastic. And those helped with my transition to industry. So you didn't stay in industry, you went back to academia. Where did you go in academia? I had seen a niche to start my own company. And it was a question of, do I take that risk on my own? Or do I partner with somebody? An opportunity arose at the University of Westminster. And this was discussed with them as an alternative concept. And it became quite clear that the university would be more than happy to run with this idea 
under its umbrella and effectively allow me to offer these services through the university, which would be good for the university, and in return have, shall we say, um, a fallback. And I acutely remember a very good friend of mine who decided he'd take his hobby and make a company out of it. He is now doing very well. He turned around and said to me, you know what, Stereos, you, you, did, you, took, it, you took the right decision taking half industry effectively, half academia. So trying to do your company and doing an academic job because you have that fallback. If we fast forward to today, the services that I'm offering from the university, they could be more successful, but there's very much competition in this space. It's offering me the opportunity to do things in research that otherwise might not have been available, which is great as a scientist. It's offering me other opportunities as well with regards to networking, with industry, with other academics, starting collaborations and things I would never have thought of before simply because I can offer something to somebody else. It's something I don't regret doing. The analogy sitting on the fence between these two different, two different areas is actually a good thing for you. Absolutely. Is there a big difference between the way that science is approached in the two fields? There is a, a gradation of that difference, so even within industry and in academia. You will hear many times in academia, as long as something is published in a peer-reviewed journal, it's fine. As far as they're concerned, it's published, it's done, it's gone. In industry, you will find companies that will also say, if it's on paper, then it must be a fact. But the, the larger companies will have the opportunity to test these papers. Industry has a, a very different way of approaching claims. There will be things that look fantastic. There will be science that looks great on paper, but it needs to be reproduced in industry. And you need to appreciate also the difference between what I can achieve in the lab, even if it is reproducible, and what do I need to cross that hurdle to get something into the market. To make a decision-making claim which will change the way a patient will be treated, you need to have the quality, the validation, the reproducibility, the precision, all those parameters that we all get taught about you know, the first year, but we forget about before we get to the bench and start working. So, yes, we all focus down in that little tiny bit of work that we do in, in the grand scheme of science, and we push forward and we get those results, and it's all really interesting, and it's really exciting for us and others, and fantastic. It doesn't mean anything for the real world until you have done all that body of work. I think it's important for people to understand the difference in mentality when they go into industry, in what level they go. So if they go into pharma, pharma is all about validation. If they go into biotech, biotech is all about quick data, good data that give you the answer that you want to move forward. For those people who are in industry now and want to go back into academia or in industry and potentially might have to go back into academia or anyone looking to go one way or the other, what tips do you have for them? Okay, so the first tip is you are capable and you know a lot more things than just what you did the last six months in the lab. Second trick Make sure you have a nice, long, fat, 20-page long, if you can, CV with everything you have done. And when you get to the point of doing that submission, that application, remove the bits that are irrelevant. They're getting you to do a specific task, and that task is in the job description. And provide what is relevant from your experience in those two pages. 
If you are in industry and you want to go back to academia, another thing to consider is perhaps one year in industry working hard is the equivalent of three years in academia because things are so much slower in academia in terms of the funding cycles, productivity, dilution of your efforts. Companies have processes in place to make sure that the money they pay you is invested in you doing the job that you're paid for, not pushing paper around. That's something you know, academia has to learn as we become commercial. So when you arrive in academia, you have to take a step back, you have to listen to your colleagues, you have to offer them reasons why they should adopt the ways you have had. The other um, aspect to consider is that your, your work from industry, that if you don't have publications, it's appreciated in different ways in academia. It's the, the links that you're going to offer them. So network, 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 and networks are more so that you can drop names. You can say, I've, I know that person, I know that person in the interview. They can show that you are going to bring more global, hopefully, outreach for them. Great. Thank you very much. One final question. If any of our listeners have any questions to you, are you happy for them to send them in and for you to have a go at answering them? Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'll keep an eye on, on your blog for that. I'm more than happy to, to talk to people and give advice. So if you've got any questions for Stergios, fire away. You can post your questions in the comments below or use the Twitter hashtag NJPodcast. But that's it for this episode. Our next one will be all about scientific publishing. To find out more about what we're up to at Nature Jobs, you can go to blogs.nature.com forward slash naturejobs or you can follow us on Twitter at Nature Jobs or even on Facebook.